Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I, James McSorley, need a better way to intro podcasts, but this is all just a weird lead-in for me to say Mark's back. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, how's it going? Thank you for having me. It's an no, no problem. We didn't speak the whole time that you were away, obviously, because we, we don't speak unless you're on the podcast. So <laughs> did you have a nice time away? I did, thank you. I've managed to lose my American accent in time for getting ready to record again. I also got informed while we were away by my wife that my American accent is not as good as I think it is and that I should stop doing it in public. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, which is pro- probably fair, but she delivered it in a very hurtful way. Um, yeah, I think she was right. <laughs> well, I, I could do the rest of the podcast in it and we'll assess at the end. But also, I don't know what I'm talking about. So it's even worse if I don't know what I'm talking about in an accent I can't do. Yeah, that's so, entirely fair. But yeah, so you're back. No one has to deal with any guests or in the alternative universe where you preferred the guests more than Mark. Um Sorry. Go back and listen to their episodes on repeat, if that's what it takes. Yeah. Before we get into it, we will... I should point out that I listened to the episodes while I was away, and we have some correction section material that I would like to call out our guest hosts on. Okay. So... Point number one, I'm doing these in whatever order I remember them, so there's a good chance I forget some and spare you. You and Gaz talked about people who need the floor set up a certain way in able to run an offense in order to be able to run an offense. Neither of you mentioned Oscar Gerbalak, who is like obvious top of the list there outside. Oh, no, of- I think Asier is top yeah, of the list. But you, you were doing the list off the back of Asier. So yeah. I feel like he is like default number one. Sure. Um you and Rose debated who to give the belt to. And I can't remember who you settled on in the end, but Rose then posted belatedly that it should be Mendel because he had a stat line of like 39 points on 70-something percent shooter. You guys both ignored the fact that Nico Joncer from here has had 50 that same day. Um, uh, France yeah. was the reason that Mendel didn't get it. <laughs> and you and Gaz. And someone that we don't even know is the reason that Nico didn't get it. And he doesn't have Instagram, so it wouldn't be worth awarding him the belt because we can't tag him and hope that he shares it. Yeah, it's um, and I also think I might be wrong here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you and Gaz gave the belt out at all last week, other than to maybe Will Smith. Uh, no, we didn't. The belt was lacking when you were gone, but I think that's kind of a me and you gimmick anyway. Yeah. The only as far as the belt got was I, I promised Yelmer mid game that if they beat us, he could get the belt. <laughs> <laughs> that's as that's what I'm sort of playing with right now, but no, I feel like the belt is a me and you gimmick. Hey, sh- shout out to Yelma, by the way, man, because he, um, when we put that joke poll up, being like, who's getting the belt this week, put Rose, Yelma, or other, like, all the votes we got were from people who don't even follow us. <laughs> I think it was just Yelma getting his mates in on it. So that's hilarious. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Hey, Yelma, get your mates in on listening to the podcast. Never mind voting on polls. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's all of my complaints. Other than that, great job handling it while I was away. Shout out to Rose and Gaz for very ably filling in. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we got some fun feedback while we were while you were gone. So yeah, maybe maybe we need to step it up. Yeah, <laughs> I even got you give me feedback that like 
I probably spoke as well as I did at any point when we were on the Gaz podcast. So I wonder if I need to bring it for you. I wonder if <laughs> I I wonder if we've got comfortable. <laughs> Almost, yeah. I think I think having the guest host on triggers like the same behavior as when you like meet the in laws for the first time, and you're just like on your best behavior at all points. Yeah, for sure. Right, shall we get to it? Yeah, let's talk about some games. So. First game of the week was midweek, and I completely forgot that we needed to talk about it. So I watched it, completely erased it from my mind, <laughs> and I am going to try and pull it back up. Madiba, big win, 63-56 uh, over Illunion. Yeah, big one. Both teams coming off a big win the week prior as well. So this was like, I think Madiba beat Gran Canaria in overtime, Illunion beat Albacete, right? So this, yes, kind of the um, this was like the king of the court game, if you only factor in the last two weeks, which nobody does because that would be irrelevant. Yeah, because then what's the point in the league? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, this was this was a big one, man. and I thought Illunion came out kind of wilting to the pressure a little bit in the first quarter, and they actually broke the defense down relatively easily but they missed a ton of layups early doors um and yeah it was kind of it was Madiba 19 and Looney on 14 at the end of the first quarter so that was a five-point deficit that had shots been made that could have very easily gone the other way in terms of what the score had been after 10 minutes and given that it was a seven-point game who knows what knock-on effect that would have had but yeah I think we saw like the mental game of the press there right where it was you actually get through it, but the the effort and having done 24 seconds of work to get a good shot, kind of the pressure to not blow it when you get there, seems like it shouldn't be a real thing, but I think it very much is. Oh yeah, I, th- I think I think that's that's something like we do this thing where we sit and look at cold hard numbers and kind of forget that it's actual humans involved most of the time where it's like the the psychological side of that stuff really really makes a difference yeah definitely so yeah for Madiba what we got um Salvador with 19 Phil with 18 and John Hernandez with 17 that's the bulk of the score and nine from Lewis Edwards as well um yeah, Madiba won this game only shooting 40%, which... Alunia only shot 37 is the... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Madiba shooting 40% came across on the stream when I watched it. I, it didn't seem that scrappy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the flip side of it was, like you say, Alunia only shooting 37%. Greg was 10 from 15 on his own. So yeah. that's like really the lone source of consistent offense. Obviously, Terry was out this game as he has been in the last handful. But yeah, you kind of look at Greg's stat line there and you wonder what state Illunion might have been in without his contributions. Yeah. Or the opposite where it's like, we've spoken about this, especially with Terry out, but even with Terry in, if you know what you're going to get from the top two or three guys, do you get a good Amadou game or a good Danny Diaz game or a good Pablo Zazuela game? You know what I mean? Like, do you get one of those guys chipping in, but three from 17 Amadou, one from eight Danny Diaz? Like Amadou, um, Amadou chipping in there with what I think is becoming known as the Martina Redondo. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. No, his is like four from 12. Um, 
More from 12 when they lose and way more when they win, which is like not great analysis to say if your third best player is good, you might be fine because more than half your players are playing well. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, this was, it was strange that it was, I don't know if it was actually that strange that it was a bit of a, a low scoring game, but like the team that wins gets to 63 with 21 points in transition, like Madiba getting to 63 and a third of their points being in transition, like it's exactly where they want to play the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It's um, I thought the it was pretty telling that the transition stuff was going their way when you looked at the lineup shuffles that Illuminion tried and yeah. they brought Danny Diaz in initially and went kind of a bit bigger um, with that unit. And he actually, he was one from eight and didn't have a good shooting game, but he had a relatively decent impact with like a couple of hustle plays and stuff when he first subbed in. And that was about the point that um, Illuminion looked like they were possibly going to claw it back and turn it around. But as you, similar to Amadou, like you pointed out, if you got Greg and Bill playing 40 minutes each and then realistically the third score in each of those lineups is either three from 17 or one from eight, the drop-off is still there regardless of which lineup you shuffle to. That's like, there's no getting past that, I don't think. Yeah, whereas the other side of it, Mediva had a 19 and 18, like yeah. a 17, <laughs> Lewis, nine. Lewis had a mad and one in the first quarter that was just like such a straight, like such a weird, unbelievable finish. Like He's been playing well recently. I can't, was it yeah, man? Was Albacete a few weeks back? He had a real big game against. He, he, no, he shot the lights out against us. Yeah, that, like kind of extended range and everything. Like it wasn't like his pick and roll, sort of short roll post finishes. Even like he was pulling it from the free throw line and stuff against us. Um, yeah. but that wasn't that wasn't like that they beat the brakes off us. Uh, he was good against Albacete as well. But yeah, I think like if you're playing Madiba against Olunian, you and Madiba. Outshot them, out rebounded them, and outran them. Twenty-one points in transition to one point in transition. Like, yeah, that that's that's the game Madiba wants to play when they when they play Alunion on a Wednesday night. Like, one point in ra- in transition is like a Las Rosas stat more. Than also, was- how do you get one point in transition? Does it count if you get fouled on a free throw, like on a layup? In yeah, I guess so. That that would be the only way to. Level it surely, yeah. 20 uh, throws as well. They got to the line 20 times, man. <laughs> yeah, I think this was just Illuminion have been masters of the slow game for a long time. And I think had Terry been playing and at full strength, you can probably make the argument that Illuminion are potent enough in the half court to offset what Madiba do flying up and down. But when you're trying to play the slow game, without probably the guy who's the main reason the slow game works like it does and you've no answer for the speed and mobility you're fighting a losing battle on that one i think yeah absolutely like just having a four or five that can create like greg's unbelievable at ball handling and creating and everything but that's a lot of height and a lot of length and a lot of points on court to to deal with like that's a lot of you know, like best case scenario, you're being defended by a three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A big three most of the time. That's a lot for one guy to be doing, but definitely. Um, yeah. Hell of a game. Do you think 
Madiba have been the best team in the league since, I don't know, last month or two. Um, I think the evidence would say probably. Like, I think the evidence would say probably, but Albacete, they've, I think we talked about this at the start of the season when we like tried to put teams in tiers. And, and, you, and you put everyone, then Burgos, then Madiba, then Las Rosas, and exactly. Zuzanak. And Zuzanak. Um No, I think I said Albacete and Illumion should have been the top tier, but I didn't give it to either of them outright because I didn't feel like they were going to go hard for the entire regular season, which oh. Albacete did initially, but have then kind of lost a bit of rhythm, I think. I still think Madiba in sole possession of the second spot in the rankings, but I think they've played better overall over the last couple of months, but I still wouldn't take them against Albacete in an upcoming game. Hmm, I, I think we've seen it before, man. With the, I think they're more in form for sure. At the yeah, I, I have a, have a hard time getting past them working kind of one and a half shot creators versus usually three for Albacete. Sure. Um, yeah, that was the, kind of our theory on thinking yeah. Albacete are going to win the league all year, but like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I certainly think if they were to, if you were to play both of them against the entire rest of the league, like if we were to start the season today and do the whole season from this point onwards, given the form they're both in, Madiba might come out on top, but I don't know if they beat Albacete consistently in a one-on-one matchup. Yeah, I mean, like I'm saying, they're the informed team, like, but. They played Albacete two, three weeks ago and lost. So, yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, I don't know, but they're up there. Like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. they've been they've been really, really, really good in the last couple of weeks, is what I'm saying. They've yeah. been pretty good. They've been very good all season, but sure. Yeah. I feel like they they muscled their way through a little bit to start the year, and now they've kind of they're in a groove rather than just trying to outwork teams endlessly. Sure. Shall we shift on to the more recent events and not have to? plunge into the depths of our memories. Yeah, I don't even remember what I did two, three days ago, never mind never mind Wednesday. Well, um, you're, you're a seven-hour drive after your game, so do you actually remember any of this game that happened yesterday? I was going to say, I don't even remember what happened yesterday, but then that would make everything we're about to say pointless. <laughs> um, yeah, so Bilbao, 82, uh, Ibrakonsan, Vigo, uh, 56. So they came out and just lit us up in the first half of the first quarter. It was completely nuts. <laughs> like, Romo had a couple of threes. Alejos hit a couple of spot-ups. I think he hit a three, two. Just completely just blew us up in the first five minutes or so. And it was a weird one where we kind of had to... One of those where your coach has to call a timeout and be like, hey, do you know all that stuff about like defending these certain people this way or that way that we spoke about? Are, are we gonna do any of that? Like <laughs> was that was that at which point you were like, no, no, coach, I've got this theory that these guys have to get 20 plus shots up a game and I need to be proven right. No, that was not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, uh obviously long trip quite far away. Um and I was, when we got there, I was like, first five minutes in, I was like, oh God, I, I don't think they're going to keep shooting like this all game, but this is going to be real interesting if they do. Yeah. 
Well, you, you say all that, but you're only down one at the end of the first quarter. So that oh, we were only down one at the end of the first quarter, but uh, middle of the first, I think it was like nineteen six at one point. Like I don't know, but it was quite a lot to not a whole lot. Like they were they were more than a couple of possessions ahead of us at one point. But yeah, man, it was. God, like I was like, what is happening at one point? Um, yeah, it's a matter. They weren't actually that much further ahead of us at any point. Oh, it was nineteen twelve. Yeah, nineteen twelve was as I, I over exaggerated. It must have felt a lot worse than it was. Yeah, it was nineteen twelve at one point. Um, but yeah, another unbelievable David Marie's game saved the day. Yeah, this this is my favorite stat. Is Overall makes 15 on 34 shots, seven from 13 twos, eight of 21 threes. Hey, eight of 21 threes, that's, that's, that's some serious number. That is ridiculous, man. I, I don't know if I... Volume, my guy. 38% from three is not bad. <laughs> from three is pretty good. I The only game in the wheelchair game of more three-point attempts I've ever seen was Matt Scott had a 20 two three-point attempts game in a Champions Cup game once. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what game that was, but... The was fact- that Porto Torres against Galatasaray, maybe? I yeah. wonder if that was... So I remember one of... I remember a game of him playing against an old team and being like, right, let's go. But- <laughs> yeah, so the fact that that list of most three-point attempts I ever remember is Matt Scott and then David Maurice is like... Someone's going to dig this stat up in however many years and be like, what happened in this game? Yeah, that was... Well, no, he's had a mad run of, like, he's had a couple of 35 and point games, which is completely insane. But, yeah, he... Because he started... We all started a little slow as well. So, like, being able to do that a couple of minutes in, like, not starting with, like, not hitting your first couple of shots and ending up on 39 is completely insane but yeah persistent I mean, hmm? persistent is the word yeah. looking for um but yeah he he was great um yeah he, he was great on the other side of the ball um i really i really like how fabian romo plays yeah. and i host too had a good game 26 um it's that thing of those guys both got 26 and 17 shots up respectively so that's kind yeah, of the, the, it's a weird one because we play them again next week. So I don't want to be like, our game plan was this, and this worked, and this didn't. But also, anyone who listens to this and watches the games, like it's, if you if you kind of half know what to look for, it's not hard. But and the the telling one here is these guys were a combined eighteen from forty three, which is forty something percent. But the rest of their starting lineup was one from 10 combined and their bench was six from 19. So yeah, uphill battle on that one, I think is the Julio Villas has kind of been their most consistent dumping the ball and he'll run some layups and he only got three shots up the entire game. Yeah. Be interesting to see if that turns around when you guys play them again in however many days time it is. This is really interesting to like see. That's because it's very rare that this happens because the Spanish league runs through all the fixtures and then repeats the opposite coming away so you don't get back-to-backs. Yeah. This is just because this game was postponed from earlier on in the season. So this would be actually very interesting to come back and talk about next week, potentially. Yeah. 
I think that the only other thing that's worth pointing out on this one is no matter how much they adjust, they probably don't have an answer for the fact that Hasso is just so much bigger than anyone that they play. Yeah, like, from 11. Yeah. Hasso is a giant. Romo and Alejo, so like, we've been through this before, but they're very much like perimeter bigs and generally perimeter bigs don't have the size or clout to be battling with guys like Hasso or Lee Manning. Yeah, Romo's a little small. Alejo's actually, Alejo's is bigger than you'd think, to be fair. Like, he's got a bit more height, yeah. but there are very few people that can contest a Hasso post up on the edge of the charge circle. So, yeah. So, yeah, also, was, very yeah. funny thing that happened. One of the refs in our game is refing the three on three Commonwealth qualifiers that are happening in Scotland next week or the week after. Sorry. And I'm going to that. Oh, yeah. she was like are you going to that yeah oh me too and I was like cool I don't know the rules or anything about it and she was like neither do I <laughs> but it's fine no she she does she does but um I I wasn't joking when I said that I don't but, so yeah I'm going to that which will be fun hired guns whereabouts is it uh I don't remember somewhere <laughs> there's some like somewhere outside Glasgow do you have any idea about this? <laughs> or are you just going to roll off a plane and hope someone's there to pick you up? Uh, I know that I get to Belfast on Monday. And I know that I um, go to Glasgow on Tuesday. And I know the schedule of the tournament and stuff. And I have read the rules and stuff. I know all this. I, I, know, I know all about it. But it's just I haven't actually taken part in anything like this before. So, yeah. Anyway, this is not about Bilbao against Vigo. Not yeah, fun. so we ended up taking care of business quite well. Like it was, everyone's had those games where you have a certain game plan and you're either not actually carrying it out well or it's not working. More often than not, it's that your plan is decent, but you're not doing it right. Yeah. Um, and then we, from the middle of the, the first to the end of the second, we went on a mad run. Like, as I say, we were a handful down halfway through the middle of the first quarter and we won the second quarter 21-6. Yeah, so it was one of those like, all right, everyone, let's get the finger out here and try and play better basketball and we'll probably be all right. Yeah, it's kind of the, I think we've seen it with Vigo points this year that their two main guys can carry them on a hot streak for a bit, but when they don't have enough supplementary scoring it's just not going to subsist either battling another team's run or clawing your way back into it from being down if you've only got, you know, all it takes is one of two guys to get cold and that's probably the game decided from there end. Yeah. So, right on. The battle of teams who play over points but nobody is as angry with them as they are with Gran Canaria. Three... <laughs> 64 Zuzanak. So yeah. this one was a little bit better than I expected, to be fair. Uh, yeah, it was a fun game for three quarters, pretty much. Yeah. It, it was pretty good, man. It was Zuzanak actually came out really hot. Um, and they were 21 16 up after the first quarter. And I, I watched that whole stretch and I was like, this doesn't seem like it should be happening. Um, just because Zuzanak's great weakness is size and Mercia aren't stocked up with strengths but one of their strengths is size and it felt like that should have won out they didn't start Philip Baffley and he didn't play the whole first quarter and then he scored 29 points in the last 
30 minutes of the game. <laughs> Which is nuts. Yeah, so that might just do it for you, I think, is the lesson here. Uh, yeah, he kind of came in second quarter onwards and it just balanced the game. Mercier ended up with four guys in double figures because they got 16 from Joaquin Robles and 16 from, is his name Jose Sanchez? It just says J on these stats. Um, and yeah, 12 from Lalo as well, but it kind of wasn't clicking for them early doors. And I think Halfley, for whatever reason, just opened the game up for the other guys scoring as well as his own. Um, on the flip side, Ruben Vizo, who you mentioned with Gaz last week, he took 30 shots. So I dare say we send Romo some of, and uh, Alejo some of his tape. But he had, he had a strong first quarter and first half went off the boil a little bit. But this was like, I don't think watching this game, you wouldn't have thought these were fighting to be the bottom two teams or to not be the bottom two teams in the league. Like this was a relatively competent showing from both of these guys, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I think uh, Ruben Viso can can do some stuff, as I have said. And yeah, he went. He kind of he started really, really well. And the only reason they stayed in it is Joaquin Robles. I think of his sixteen points, might have had twelve in the first, yeah. or something. Maybe twelve in the first half. I don't remember, but he went. He, he was going pretty big early yeah. and it was one of those where I was like, is this going to be, I love games where it's like this guy going off against this other guy, like yeah. regardless of who it is, like I don't need them to be matched up against each other. I just want games where it's like uh, whoever scores more out of these two people is going to win yeah. the game. And it kind of didn't end up being that, but yeah, man, um, we were watching this on the way home, which was kind of one of the, one of the cool things about playing early, but yeah, both of these teams are kind of scrapping to stay up and Mercia knew if they won this game because this was a a game that had been put off, obviously. They knew if they'd won this game, they were going to Copa del Rey because it's based on who's top eight in the first half of the season. So even the games that are postponed have to be finished to them. Oh, right, right, right. Figure all that out. I saw some of their uh, propaganda about getting to the Copa del Rey. Propaganda? You mean press? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not like they're lying to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw some of that, and I thought that was weird, because I was like, this is so decided in advance. How has it gotten to this point? Um, Which is yeah. weird. I wonder if you had to keep postponing a certain game where they just be like, right, we need to make the draw. But flip, a, flip a coin. Whoever loses the coin flip takes the 20 nil loss. Um, but yeah, I thought this was like Mercia, I think we've talked about saying they've got some pieces and they're a little bit thin on the ground in terms of like outside of their bigs or their high point players, they need some complementary glue. Yeah, but I think this result more or less assures they're staying up, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, Which so for them. And given that they're obviously, I think we've mentioned this before, but given they seem to have a pretty good setup because they're linked up with the university and stuff and they've got pretty good venue and everything, I wouldn't be surprised if an extra player or two makes their way here in time for next season. Uh, Susan seem to have had the same team forever, so I don't know if I can make that same argument for them. And like you said, if they go down, someone might even pluck Ruben Vizo off them because I think he'd be useful in a smaller role. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the thing. Like the way I described it is like, I, like he's he's not like 
he's not a world-class guy in any way, but he's like, he'll stick around. I think he's good. I he just had 27 in a game in the best league in the world. Like, <laughs> but Meanwhile, does Jose Leap do his trick that he did when Itafe went down and Zuzanak came up and he just jumps from the team getting demoted to the team getting promoted and be like, right, I run the show now, fellas. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Like guys that have been in the same team for so long when they go down, like I do think it's interesting to see who sticks around, like who who jumps ship and like where would you go? Because like so many of these guys are uh, Jose Leap, obviously the exception. So many of these guys are local. Yeah. Um, it's Jose Leap's an interesting one though because he's good for a team that needs someone to carry the load, but I don't know how useful he is to anyone who's got a more well-rounded set of competent guys. He's oh yeah, for sure. Like that's a small three and needs to do a lot of playing his game. Yeah, it's a floor raiser rather than a ceiling raiser yeah. type thing, isn't it? Yeah, sure. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but yeah, well under Mercia, and I'm glad to see them sticking around because it's good to see teams getting. I don't like the cycle of getting promoted and demoted year after year and just going on forever because that doesn't serve anybody. No, I think that is a symptom of like bad preparation or just not having the infrastructure to like get the money involved to keep players around or sign new players. It is kind of like, like I've seen teams win promotion and not go because they're like, listen, we'll just be down in a year. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but this is one of my favorite things I've ever heard. One of my teammates when I was in Padova um, used to play for Vicenza, who were in that situation where they they like blitzed the league for the entire first half of the year, and they tried to tell the league in advance that they didn't want to get promoted. Yeah, um, and the league were like, "Yeah, you have to play by the rules, as does everybody else. So if you finish first, you're getting promoted, and if you obviously intentionally throw any games so you don't get promoted." we'll have to have a discussion about whether you just get promoted anyway. Oh God. And um, so they like got to the last game of the season, I think undefeated or with one loss. And um, they were like two points up because they played their, they'd like half-hearted their way through the game. And they were like, right, we'll call a timeout. So it looks like we're drawing up a play here and then we'll inbound the ball and we'll like, cause a stupid turnover or something and it'll be their ball and and you know we'll we'll throw the game away unintentionally but intentionally and their big guy was a Bosnian guy whose name was Izo <laughs> he was like just throw me the ball because they'll foul me as soon as I feel any slight contact I'll just chuck the ball in the air and claim it was a shot attempt and then you know this is that's us done for because I, I went hunting for the foul <laughs> and he caught the ball like at the elbow, felt a tap and just hoisted the ball in the air. The ref called the foul and he made the shot having just thrown the ball <laughs> and they got promoted off the back. As like I got told this story. I was like, this cannot all be true. So my teammate dug out the video when we watched it and it's like the most excruciating thing I've ever seen. But my God, you couldn't make that up. That's um, so funny. Also, it's a very serious thing to talk about in the podcast. Yes. Al- allegedly. Yeah, uh, allegedly. We'll put all of that in brackets and put according to sources. Um, that's so funny. <laughs> right. On to the I next wonder, one. Like, that's like 
trying to miss a free throw so that you can put a rebound back up when you're down two, but making it, but times a million. (laughs) (laughs) I always remember, I remember someone, God, I don't remember who it was, but I've seen it where the plan was miss the first free throw, make the, I mean, make the first free throw, miss the second one because they were down three and they missed the first, missed the first one. So they were like, flip sake, I'll just try and miss the first, miss the second one put it back up, get fouled maybe, and go back up, and they made the second one. <laughs> Brilliant. Which is like, what are you doing wrong for both of these? That you got the exact opposite thing you wanted to. But anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Grand Canaria, 72. Uh, Malaga, 63. This one was wild. It was super weird, wasn't it? I, at various points, were like, Oh, oh, Malaga are pulling away. Oh, Malaga are pulling away. And the quality that Gran Canaria have and the sort of experience that Gran Canaria have every time they got it back, I was like, ah, this might be it. But they, like, to be fair, Malaga kept opening the gap again. But there is that thing of if you're up 10, as soon as you throw the lead away or get it to even tied, it's like, hey, this might be over. They might just have all the momentum, but... Laying downhill on you at that point. I yeah. thought... This one was this was really interesting because obviously Gran Canaria just coming off that loss to Madiba. And I think between those two teams, there's a little bit of an anti-Gran Canaria formula there because Gran Canaria have played like effectively the same way for the last three or four years now, where pick and roll one side, skip, skip, open shot, or additional pass inside. Um the the beautiful game. Yeah, or as we would call it, playing the way every team does, but with guys who can make shots. Um, and, and, and short, quick passes and decisions, to be fair. I yeah. think that makes a difference. Okay. Uh, and the, with, ball, the ball actually pinging around where it's meant to go most of the time, rather than like a lot of teams are, one pick and roll, kick. Guy either has an open shot or catches the ball and puts it above his head when he doesn't know where to go next. Whereas they do have this like ability to keep the ball pinging around. I think like that's fair. I like I I like being cynical about it and being like wheelchair basketball is a wing pick and roll and two spot up shooters. But like (laughs) they there is obviously something in what Gran Canaria do. Yeah, but they have the they have the every game of twenty four assists like they have the optimum guys to run the simplest possible offense i think is the easiest way to put it but they have the bells and whistles on the wing pick and roll like they bought all the extras when they bought the car that was wing pick and roll two spot ups like um but i thought this was interesting because i think they've been showing up a little bit in their last couple of games because they don't really have any weak weak side activity while the offense is being run and I think you see it in teams like Madiba and Malaga that have a decent blend of, or decent across the board spread of both speed and size in that a lot of the time while the pick and roll is happening and they're kind of making one pass and waiting for the defense to react, that kind of plays into the hands of these more mobile teams a little bit because effectively where Rose and, for example, Luigi are sitting on the weak side there isn't any threat like how you guys, because you, you guys have been running your offense in the without Asia part of the season, is effectively David Maurice running the two man game, 
see what you get off that. And if at any point Hasso gets a cut and a spot up, you just feed him the ball. And I think Gran Canaria missing that element means that teams like Malaga and Madiba are basically able to watch the passes happen and react. And with the speed they've got, are generally able to recover from the pick and roll a bit better than some other teams. Uh, I think we saw that with Madiba and I think we saw it for kind of three and a half quarters with this game, but yeah, I think speed and length combined is, is a big difference. Cause if you think like that minimizes the time it takes you to help and then recover, like the whole thing is run a pick and roll on one side, the guy needs to come. However many feet, say six feet from where he is. Maybe you only have to go five feet because your arms are really long and you can get there quicker because you can move your chair. Like it's that thing of, being able to get there and then get back and bother passes along the way. Whereas if you're just having to like sprint head down and you're don't have the sort of reach that some of these guys have, the pass can just go over your head or wherever it wants, but you're able to sort of disrupt the passing lanes of, of where Gran Canaria want to go. Yeah. I think think when you've got absolute, like just freaks with big long arms, like, like Amy Bell seemed to have. Yeah. I think, I'd be interested to see. I'd I'd be interested to see a very small team with speed go against Gran Canaria because I think the counter to that is they've not a huge amount of guys who want to shoot post ups over smaller players. Like Sal- Salazar's happy with it. Uh, Ari does it now and then, but like Rose and Jorge generally don't want to post up smaller guys as their no. main source of offense. But no. Yeah, I mean, all, all this stuff said, picking them apart, it was 57 all with six minutes left and Gran Canaria ripped off a 16-2 to two run in like four minutes. So that was actually a case of Gran Canaria getting the stops and getting out in transition and not having to play the kind of five-on-five slug press that Malaga were able to muck up for them. Yeah, so, although I do think Gran Canaria is one of the better five-on-five teams in the yeah. league. But normally, but I guess the thing is the the stuff we're saying about Malaga being able to like jump and recover and help and cover more ground with a combination of athleticism and length. I guess if you stay away from five on five, you're there's more ground to cover and more helps to more help to be given. And yeah, that kind of just expands the game and stretches the defense. But I think a lot of it as well was. I don't know, there was a weird thing where, like, Amivel, the way I described it is, like, the price to pay for being really, really versatile is, like, sometimes when it comes to sort of crunch time, you come down the floor and it's like, all right, what are we doing? Who's going where? And there were times where, like, Pete Kuzak had an unbelievable game, I thought. Like, I think Pete was unbelievable. And there were times where it's like you ended up with non-shooters, behind a Pete Kuzak screen or you know what I mean you had Abdi in the middle with Ari just on his foot plate and Abdi is the greatest one pointer of all time but he's a one pointer like um, there were times where it's like hey man if you guys just had a little bit not even structure but just the ability to either structure or the ability to work it out on the fly like yeah I think I think you're the point you make is interesting because I think versatility is generally praised as an attribute but versatility and guys being interchangeable often there's a big overlap with then a lack of hierarchy which hierarchy is a very like negative term to put on it because that sounds like 
you know, this guy runs the show and everyone else falls in line, but hierarchy generally leads to structure when players yeah, priority, like yeah. Yeah. of just, Hey, this guy has the ball in his hands. And it's like, I don't know. There was just a little bit of mismanagement. I thought with Agreed. like, okay, we run a pick and roll over here. We don't like, there was a lot of ball being kicked to Abdi without help being drawn. Like, you need to create an advantage before you then kick the ball to the one pointer who's going to absolutely make that shot at a high clip from 17 feet. But, you know, if you don't get the guy who's six foot three off his foot plate first, yeah. <laughs> like you're kind of throwing it into. Sure. But, um, yeah. but yeah, on the Grand Canaria side, interesting move to not start Luigi. I think that's a EuroLeague lineup attempt but i do think it's interesting to go hey we'll try this against malaga like well it's interesting to go we'll try this and then bail on it in less than six minutes and play luigi the rest of the game because that's not going to be there at the euro cup um i do i did think pulling this out against as good a team as malaga was interesting but there are only so many weeks well, it is interesting, but also they're going to have to pull it out against a lot better teams in a few weeks' time. So, so uh, I don't know how many teams that are going to EuroLeague one are better than Malaga. A, a couple, yeah. Well, let, let's not spoil it because we've got a EuroLeague guest joining us tomorrow, um, and let's joining not, us on Thursday. Joining us on Thursday, recorded on Monday on coffee. Um, but yeah, um, the two Jorge's kind of leading the way for Gran Canaria with twenty-eight and twenty-three on. Combined 22 from 36 shooting is... It didn't feel like a huge Jorge Sanchez game. Um, this is something I wanted to talk yeah. about. This is something I wanted to talk about. Okay, go on. Then. We were watching this game, and Jorge is among the best guys in the league at, like, the NBA thing of, like, I get to 21, and it's, like, nine free throws and this many layups and a couple of three you know what i mean like it's a very efficient game like i'm looking at his shot chart he got to how many did he, ha- did he have 28 um so it's 12 shots uh, 12 points on layups um a couple outside shots a three and five from seven free throws was his own. there you go like my guy gets to the line gets to the basket a lot I'm like, I'm not being like, oh, he gets to the line a lot. Like, I mean, he earns his free throws and he makes them at a very high clip. Like, yeah. he, it's the thing we spoke about the other day with like a steady diet of like, like, where do you get to 20 from? Yeah. And he gets to like, he had a very, very efficient game because he takes very good efficient shots is my point here. And he is very, very good at getting to the good stuff. Yeah, no, they, that's what Grand Canaria do very, very well. They get good, clean, open looks. Yeah, you're, lot. you're definitely right on that one. Um, on the other side, 17 for Ezekiel Esparza, 16 for Pete Cusack, 16 for our guy Christoph Cozzarina, who I think outscored Ari in the battle of lanky guys who don't look very graceful but can make shots. We've got a lot of niche battles this week. Um, Ari once again did that thing where he's like maybe shot wasn't falling early on and then it came down the stretch and it's like okay yeah I'm, I'm good free throw line three in a row um, he did it against us and I was like we're going to lose this game if Ari keeps hitting this shot but yeah Ari from the free throw line when it matters yeah um, 
yeah, Malaga just didn't get a lot outside of those three guys. And I think we've seen this um, from and before this season where they play a bit of lineup, hot potato, but they, with like two minutes left, they made a sub to a unit that it was, I assume I'm making a mistake here when I say this, but Rodrigo Perez only played 57 seconds in the entire game. And I think yes. it might have been from three to two minutes left in the game. No, you're not wrong. So I think Gran Canaria put the game out to like six or eight. Um, Malaga called a timeout, changed the lineup, played 57 seconds, went four points further down and called another timeout. Yeah. Which I, is I'm weird. glad you confirmed that for me because that was baffling to, to watch. But Yeah, it was a, okay, so they were down enough that they needed to try and get some more shooting on the floor and like... Rodrigo Perez can shoot the ball, but I think having not played, having just sat there, that's a tough ask for that guy. Yeah. Um, and also it's like far enough out that you probably can sort of stop and like get some stops and make some twos. But yeah, I don't know. I'm always a fan of teams starting end game stuff earlier than 30 seconds left. Like, but <laughs> yeah, the, the, I don't know. It was a weird, it was a weird thing to be like, really- hey. The thing you haven't deemed worthy of putting in the game the entire game, <laughs> and then you're like, "Well, let's see if this will save us." Is always a bit yeah. weird. something to be said for a specialist, but like, does a guy who has a however many percent higher shot from three point range, does that mean more than like pulling a guy who's shot the ball well for thirty six minutes at that point? You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know. It's it's tough and like end game situation. If you're already down eight and you're calling a timeout to try and get something going like it's tough it's very it's like more likely than not to not work (laughs) you know what i mean but yeah that was that was tough but also grand canaria are very good so it's going to be yeah shout out to them third place in the league now just ahead of you guys on tiebreaker i believe ah yes unfortunately Right, that's all from Spain because we only had a light Spanish week. Should we talk about a couple of playoff games in other countries? Yes. So we went to watch the Rhine River Rhinos playoff game against the Duringia Bulls, but you were only able to watch it live as far as I'm aware. So if anyone knows any more than we do. That's cool. I've actually watched good chunks of this game while I was cooking, but... Yeah, it's not available to watch after the fact, at least not in the place where it was originally hosted. So if it then goes somewhere else after that, then let us know, because that might be useful for future. Um, well, I guess you see from this, I did not watch this because I thought I was able to watch it back and I was just off, like it started at five and I was playing it four. So I, um, I think this is kind of a, the best illustration of the German league you can get really, because... Ryan River Rhinos, by all accounts and measures, are a professional, competent basketball team with a mix of international standard players um, from both the men's and the women's game. And Thuringia Bulls rocked up without Alex Saluski for a reason I don't yet know. Hope everything's okay with him. And they just switched to a different lineup to the one they've run all year, and they beat Ryan River Rhinos 86-62. What did they start? Uh, so they went, let's see, Vahid, uh, Joachim Linden, Carly Spadniaks, Jordi Ruiz, and uh, who's the other Who was the other one? Yeah, yeah Vahid. Albrecht, maybe? Yeah, Jens, that was the one. Um, 
Yeah, so they went mids and one big. They got 20 from Jordi, 16 from Joachim Linden, 17 from Vahid, and 12 from Jens Albrecht. And yeah, this is like, Rainer Veranos are a good team and have been all year. And it just, it's no slight to them to say they can't keep up with this Thuringian team that's missing its best player because not that many teams in Europe or worldwide can, I think is the bottom line. That's, yeah, that's that's mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Thuringian just look like they haven't missed a beat the entire time. Man. They just roll this line. I mean, they must have played with this lineup at points in the season before, but you ideally want your best player there rolling into a playoff game. Um, yeah. Although going one big for mids might be useful later on in German Cup competition for them, but like... Well, Carly's probably accidentally a 1-5, but he's got enough body mass in his shoulders that I think he's two 1.5 stuck together. Yeah, he is quite a strong man <laughs> by all accounts. Um, and yeah, for Ryan River Runners, they just looked a little bit spooked by the physicality of it all. Um, I think you see this it's similar to what we were talking about with like the Medibra Lunian game. You, there's quite a pattern of getting out of the press and then making like simple mistakes. Like I think Aaron Young had a mismatch on one of the guards and they were kind of happy to give that up because the passes weren't getting there, even in like half court scenarios. Sure. And it's kind of similar to what we talked about burning yourself out, just getting the ball over the halfway line safe and your offense set up and then kind of rushing yourself because you've got eight seconds to run a whole offense. Yeah. Yeah. The press can be like an advantage in that you just, they get the ball over in dribs and drabs and kind of not in their usual sets and stuff like that can be enough. Like other teams can figure it out. Cause you get in, you get over three on three with an entire half court of space to play with, but like you kind of, that's the bet you're taking, I guess. But yeah, for, um, for Wiesbaden, Louis Hardwam is 16, Matthias Guntner was 16. And it, it's actually interesting watching him go up against a, someone like Vahid because Matthias Guntner is a pretty young guy and just doesn't look physically overmatched one on one. He's a big guy. He's, really, he's approximately the dimensions of a small lighthouse, I think is the best way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's looking, he's looking strong, man. Uh, he, he bailed them out a few times when they did get down late and he's so big they just tucked him in behind the screen and he shot a post up and I think he he's not like a big stiff guy who struggles with like the finesse of the game he's got pretty good shooting touch and stuff I was yeah. impressed with him given the you know the disparity in overall talent um, but yeah this was just this is very much Thuringen's game to to not throw away and they did that no problem sure yeah took care of business but yeah speaking, that's about what's meant to happen yeah speaking of taking care of business i know you watched some of this one. Oh my god <laughs> so uh can 277 santo stefano 58 so this was the second leg of the italian cup I did not watch the first one because I did not realize it was on until it was. Um, Santo Stefano won that one. You were away, so I don't know if you watched that. Uh, I caught a few minutes of that. Santo Stefano won by single figures. And it looks like, because the way they play these playoff series, for anyone who doesn't know, is you play home and away, and whoever finishes with the aggregate score in their favor. Um across the two games is the winner 
And yeah, Cantu came out of this one, obviously having learned some lessons, let's put it that way. Was the lesson, if you shoot 77%, you'll probably be all right, because that is completely insane. Mental, man. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I mean, nobody doubts the mass of talent and skill on the Cantu roster, but I think because they play in a league that's kind of only these two teams battling it out, Nobody takes them as a European heavyweight anymore because a lot of their international guys left and there's less eyes on them. Yeah, but, they kind of they've had a couple of poor Euro Cups as well. Yeah. Like, but you I mean you watch this game and you think obviously Cantu would go into Champions Cup in however many weeks' time. You you think if they shoot the ball like this, they can hang with basically anybody, right? Oh, Santa yeah. Stefano did themselves no favors. I think that's important to point out. Oh, yeah, there was a real thing of, like, I messaged you. My only message was, like, wow, this press is not getting it done. There was a lot of, like, because Santa Stefano kind of play hell for leather a little bit, there was a lot of, like, okay, our plan is to press, but we are not going to have the sufficient structure on offense to set ourselves up transitioning back on the floor. Like, there's a lot of, like, guy in the middle cuts, so you have no safety, so... You just your press breaker is first guy gets up the floor, and Cantu played a lot of four big with Sophie Cargill on the floor, um, and it's like okay, pass, 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 cross, pick, layup or post up. Yeah, yeah I think um, you wouldn't necessarily have thought it because of I think you associate all the individual players with different skill sets, but. Watching Cantu in this game, it may have just been, like you say, that San Stefano tried to use a press that they weren't necessarily setting themselves up for, but there was a lot of similarities between this Cantu unit and a lot of the Madiba stuff we've watched this year, um, just in terms of, hey, you can you know set your defence up how you want, but if we get down in any kind of transition, there'll be a guy with a mismatch somewhere, most likely. Sure. Um, and oh my God, did they shoot it well on those mismatches? <laughs> well, Unbelievable. I think the other thing that is kind of instructive in that not getting pressed or getting out of the press is Cantu just rebound. They might be like, as far as we've talked about Euro Cup and whatever, that there's going to be nobody who out-rebounds them or is a threat to them on the offensive rebound kind of scenario, apart from possibly Illunion is the only one I would... but yeah they just put they've got huge guys there and they've got their ability to rebound get up the floor and find the mismatch quickly kind of was what did it from here and when they didn't Simone DiMaggi was 11 from 16 and had 23 points unbelievable I was looking at this and you were talking about the rebounds and I was looking at the stats and they had 49 rebounds to the 21 on the other end yeah, uh, present to staff. And I was like, I wonder why. And it was like, oh, yeah, because a rewind doesn't count when the ball goes through the hoop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they shot 77%, that would do it. Yeah. Uh, Santa Stefano have. Sorry, they shot 68%. I'm being stupid. 68%. It's right next to the 77 for points. So that's easily done. Uh, I am stupid. Sorry, guys. All good. Um, Come on here. I pretend I watch basketball games and I read stats and I can't even read a little stat because it's in a language that isn't one I speak. <laughs> you know, it's just numbers and it's almost like Spanish. Um, stupid. 
But yeah, I thought this was... There's a lot of... San Stefano might be the world's leading team in guys who have nice-looking shooting strokes but don't shoot particularly well. Um, <laughs> and that, that just is what it is. That's like not a criticism. I guess that's a backhanded compliment. But uh, yeah, they double-screened for Domenico Michelli a lot. He didn't have a great game. Uh, Dimitri Tange hit a ridiculous three to end the first quarter. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, but he kind of shot it out of defiance because one of his teammates chucked it to him at the last second. But that was from like 38 feet and he swished it, but that only made it 21-11 to end the quarter. So that's like a microcosm of the game right there. Um, yeah, you said San Stefano just play helpful leather. And I think Cantu's composure just really shone through in this one is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, does does it... Does playing a team that plays as structured as Cantu make it look like you play hell for leather, like more than? Uh, yeah, probably. But I think San Stefano do pound the speed and aggression button a lot. But yeah, there was just there was like you said, there was so many times where they're aggressive to a fault and like all attacking the offensive rebounds against a team way way bigger than them and just leaving themselves open for transition layups and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I mean. My main my main takeaway, having watched this game and seeing this kind of result, is I'm not totally sure how Santa Stefano won the first one. So I'll be very intrigued to go back and watch that because I cannot imagine what must have flipped. Because I think yeah. watching these two ga- these two teams yesterday, you couldn't imagine a game in which Santa Stefano beat Cantu. Maybe we just caught Cantu on a great day. Yeah, maybe like if it like it does that even out a little bit if you shoot fifty one percent instead of sixty eight, like you yeah. know what I mean, like even just a, like a pretty good number. But also, we watched a team press another team and give up fifty eight points in the paint. <laughs> like whatever your press is meant to be doing it's probably not doing it man although, like, although according to this Cantu only had one point in transition so <laughs> that's questionable yeah to be fair we're talking about the stats that are not great but like if your press is if your press is getting to the point where they get down the floor and hit spot up guys just on the edge of the paint who are going to shoot the ball this well we talk about like the shooting is exceptional but it is also it shooting percentage normally and there are exceptions to this, like it goes up or down based on how well you defend stuff and like where you want people to be pulling it from. Like, <laughs> yeah, so that's that one. Uh, shout out to Cantu, looking really good. Yes, and that's pretty much it. Shall we plug our latest endeavor before we get out of here? Yeah, man. So we, as everyone who follows our Instagram will have seen, set up a coffee account, KOFI. Um, for donations and or subscriptions. We're going to be putting up some exclusive EuroLeague preview content up there. It's free. Uh, Any donations are completely up to you. We've had a handful of people chuck some stuff in there already, and we really, really appreciate it. But yeah, very excited. Very, very grateful for the support. And yeah man like as i say it's funny because like i love doing this but it's just like it covers the costs like this yeah quid to run yeah i think like running this isn't the most expensive endeavor in the world but it's not free (laughs) yeah it's not even that i think we're at the point where realistically 
I mean, we do these six podcasts a month or whatever it may be. Um, and we're kind of at the point now where I think we want to do more stuff, but we can't realistically scale up because a it's going to cost us more which we could probably handle but once we scale up from there we then give ourselves kind of no headroom to ever make any money off of this because we'll be putting so much free stuff out there already that we won't have another level to push it to um so we really want to ideally you guys who listen we want to take you guys along for the journey with us so if anyone is willing to chuck a couple of quid in here and there to see a bit more content um, get put up and us be able to justify putting some more time into this. We really appreciate that. And we hope we can bring you the stuff you want to hear as a result of that, I suppose. Um, yeah. Excited to watch it grow. Um, yeah. like thank, out... thank you to everyone who's donated already. And if you haven't donated already, it's ko fi.com slash bench units. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. Like we put out, about a week ago, well, a bit longer now, asking questions about what people might want to give us and or not, or if you would think it's completely ridiculous to ask for anything at all. And I think this model allows us to say, hey, this content will be here, but if you feel like it's worth giving us seven cents a minute or no, seven <laughs> cents a, a year, like what, whatever, you know, um, I think leaving it up to the good people who listened to this podcast was was a good choice and yeah as i say very very grateful for all the support so far so thanks also um, we can start putting t-shirts and weird stuff up there if we feel like it which would be fun yeah i think that right now we've just got it kind of rolling in for if anyone wants to chuck us some money then please do but realistically we're going to cover euro league and probably copa del rey for free with kind of the content available to everybody and donations or subscriptions optional after that we might look at something like getting a little bit of seed funding together to start with merch and we could even do something like if you know if you chuck a fiver in to help with our funding to go and get the merch made you can eventually get a discount on the final price of it or something to that effect but We'll, God knows, we're, we're just thinking out loud at this point. We'll roll we? out something like that. But if you want to be involved and you want to be an official Bench Units patron and have our undying appreciation, head over to Kofi or Coffee or whatever it's called and check the content out that's going to be on there starting from Thursday where we will have an exclusive EuroLeague 1 preview. Exclusive and potentially free, potentially not EuroLeague <laughs> 1 preview. It's free unless you want to give us some money. <laughs> that will be feels like begging doesn't it yeah it does cool right. all right uh that'll do us um thank you very much for listening have a good week we will be back on thursday with an episode we will peace out everybody take it easy Bye.